Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. are a bunch of radicals I'm telling you wow wow man I'm wound up aren't you I feel like that guy that said he was ready to attack hell with a water pistol man the gates of hell will not prevail against us Uh, and, and I do believe that statement of Paul E. Bilheimer a long time ago where he said where there is massive triumphant praise and worship the devil is paralyzed bound and banished He has to go. He cannot stay in the presence of true praise and worship. And I praise the Lord for that. I want you to turn within your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, and we will pick up our study there. Uh, Turn to chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 13 and read through chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 2, beginning in verse 13. Now, we're still on the subject of we thank God for you. Paul made it very clear in his writings to the Thessalonian church that he was thanking God for them, that he was praising and worshiping and thanking God for them, for what was going on in their church, for what they were going through. He was thanking God for them. And he points out a number of different things in the letter that he's thankful for. And that's what our study has been about for the last few weeks. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 began, will begin in verse 13. Follow along as I read. <clears throat> for this reason, we also, and when he says we, he's talking about the missionary team that he was leading up. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. We thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, You welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring more eagerly to see your face with great desire, therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. By the way, how many of you know Satan can hinder you? Satan can get in your way, 
Satan can slow you down. Satan can keep you and me and this church. If he could hinder the great apostle Paul, he can hinder us. We have to be careful. He says, I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this for in fact we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just at, as it happened and you know. For this reason when I could no longer endure it Second time he said that. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? See, he begins this passage with we thank God for you. And now he's saying what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now I know that's a long text, but I needed to read all of that so that you'll understand what's going on here. First of all, Paul says, as he begins and ends with, we thank God for you, he says, we thank God for the fact that you received the Word of God as the Word of God. Now, I can tell you, nothing is more important than this, and we dealt with this for several weeks. They had received the Word of God, not as the Word of men, but as the true Word of the living God. They had embraced it. And Paul said, we're so thankful that you didn't receive it as our words. You received it as the words of God. Amen. Amen. I got a witness back in the back, right back there. And then he goes on to say, we thank God that when you receive the Word of God as the Word of God, it went to work in you. And that Word, that powerful Word of God is working in you and in your heart and in your lives. He said it is working effectively in you. And then there's something else I want to point out in this text that we haven't looked at yet. And that is, he said, we thank God because you're suffering. Now that's a tough one. We thank God because you're suffering. Let me show you in the text. Two, chapter 2, verse 14 says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. He's bragging on them. He's saying you became imitators of the churches of Judea. For you also, just like them, for you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans. He's saying this is a good thing. This is a praiseworthy thing. This is something to thank God for because you imitated the true churches of the Lord Jesus Christ and the true believers and you also went through the same suffering which is a validation of your faith. Look at chapter 3 verses 3 and 4. 
that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Oh, you're going to go through some afflictions for you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. Oh my goodness, we were appointed to this. We've been appointed to this suffering. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer, say it with me, tribulation just as it happened and you know what Paul's saying. I'm telling you this, but I don't have to tell you because you already know it. You're going through it. You're living through it. Now, remember, those two passages of Scripture, before and after, he said, we thank God for you and what's going on in your fellowship. Now, I know that's a pretty strange thing to say, we thank God for your suffering. I wonder if sometime this week I were to send you a text or an email and I were to say to you as your pastor, I've just learned you're going through some suffering and I just want to tell you, I thank God for the suffering you're going through. Oh, would you think my pastor's lost his mind? My pastor's going crazy or my pastor's, uh, uh, he's just being mean-spirited. Would you think that? No. Not if you understand the Word of God and what it teaches about suffering. And that's what we're looking at right now. Now, let me give you the background, and this will definitely help you understand this story. Here's the background of the story. And that is, Paul and his missionary team had, uh, uh, had visited the city of Thessalonica. Uh, it's one of those cities that's still there. You can visit the city today. It is modern-day Thessalonica, Greece. Paul and his team visited the city. They were only there just for a few weeks. And after about three weeks, they had led so many people to Christ in this city that they established a church. A church, a brand new church. A church full of new believers in Christ. And then the same thing happened that always happened wherever Paul went. Persecution rose up against them. And people began to fight against them. And Paul and his team were driven from the city. They had to leave. And when Paul left that city, can you imagine how he felt in his heart that he was leaving a city and he was leaving behind a young church full of new believers? He had not had the time to spend with them that he wanted to spend with them. He didn't have the time to teach them all he wanted to teach them. Led them to Christ, established the church, taught them a few basic things, and then they had to leave town. And Paul loved this church. There's something about this Thessalonian church that stands out above almost all the other churches that Paul ministered to. He had a deep love for them. Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? And then this last statement, this in verse 20, For you are our glory and joy. Paul loved this church. And then in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, When I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. You see, he's left this church behind, and yet his heart is aching. These are his children. These are his spiritual children. He wants to know what's going on with them. This would be the equivalent of us saying today, I can't stand it. I have got to know what's going on. And so what Paul does is he sends Timothy he sends Timothy back to the church to check on the church so that he can find out what's going on. Now, do you see? Paul was with them for a short time. 
They established a church. Persecution rose up. He was driven from town with his team. They left behind a fledgling church. And Paul's heart is so heavy for this church. And then Timothy returns. And when Timothy returns, I emphasized it a moment ago in the, in the reading, he returned with good news. The good news that Timothy brought back to the team was this. The church is in good shape. The church is strong in faith. The church is genuine in love. And the church is steadfast in the face of suffering. That was the news that Timothy brought back. Oh, friends, no wonder Paul is saying, how can we thank God enough for what's going on with you guys? We praise God. We thank God without ceasing for what's going on among you. Paul was, was celebrating. You, you, see, you see, Paul was so relieved when he got this news. He was so relieved. Paul even feared. I read it in the text. Paul feared that he had labored in vain in this church. That maybe all that work was in vain. And now he gets the good news. Oh, it's not in vain. Oh, the church is strong. The church is growing. The church is standing strong. And, and then Paul makes one of, of the most amazing statements I think you can find in the Bible that the Apostle Paul ever makes. It's in chapter 3, verse 8. He says, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying, Now I can go on. Now I can continue the ministry. Now we can continue our missionary journeys. Now we can keep on living for Christ just because we know you are standing firm in your faith. What a great, great statement. This church that Paul loves so much was, was standing strong in faith, overflowing in love, and steadfast in the face of suffering. And Paul says, I'm so thankful for the way you're suffering and the way you're standing and the way you're not budging. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes on the subject of suffering. I hope you'll give me your attention because what I want to do is I want to spend a few moments trying to correct some bad theology. Bad theology and bad teaching have a, a way of making their way into the ranks of the church. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves saying things and doing things and even teaching things that do not line up with God's Word. And so I want to spend a few moments trying to correct some bad theology. Here it is. I hear people say all the time, I must be doing something right because I'm going through all this suffering. Well, the truth is, you may not be doing anything right. The truth is, you may be doing something wrong. Suffering in and of itself is not an indication that you're doing something right. Suffering can be an indication that you're doing something wrong. Let me show you right out of the Word. 1 Peter four fifteen and 16, and you should write the, these two verses down. 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16, the Apostle Peter says, 
But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. I, I know there's a sermon about Facebook in there somewhere. I just haven't figured out what it is. But anyway. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer. Do you know what an evildoer is? That's somebody that's doing something wrong. That's what an evildoer is. Somebody's doing something wrong or a busybody in other people's matters. The Bible says don't suffer for those reasons. Let none of you suffer for that kind of stuff. Then look at verse 16. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Oh, friends, there's one type of suffering that's shameful because you're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. You're saying things you shouldn't be saying. You're an evildoer. You're transgressing the teachings of God's Word. You're disobeying the basic teachings of Scripture. And when you suffer for that, you're not doing something right. It is shameful. But when you suffer because you're a Christian, when you suffer because you are standing tall, for the glory of God and for Christ. When you suffer for that reason, don't be ashamed. But notice this. When you do that kind of suffering, but let him glorify God in this matter. Man, I love that. I must be doing something right. All hell is breaking loose. I had a man tell me that one time. No. No, i got to tell you, child of God, even when you're going through suffering, if you're doing it for the cause of Christ, my bet is all heaven will be breaking loose, not all hell will be breaking loose. He can give you peace in the midst of the storm. He can comfort you when you're under attack. He can sustain you in the dark hours of the night when you're standing true to your faith. I must be doing something right going through all this suffering. No, no, I, I know nobody's ever going to say that to me again. <laughs> Listen up. Violate your marriage vows, and there's a good chance you'll suffer through heartache, shame, and even divorce. But that's nothing to be thankful for. Mismanage your money, and there's a good chance you'll suffer through bankruptcy. Lose your business, home or car. But that's nothing to be thankful for. Be disrespectful to those in authority over you and there's a good chance you'll suffer through the loss of your job and finances. But you wouldn't want to be thankful for that. Be ugly, mean-spirited, judgmental, and critical with people around you and there's a good chance your circle of friends will diminish and you will suffer from loneliness. But that's not something to be thankful for. That's shameful suffering. Not an indication that you're doing something right. Listen, I speak from personal experience, and I would imagine that every last one of us could give a similar testimony. There have been times in my life 
when I suffered, I suffered heartache. I suffered regret. I suffered disappointment. I suffered from the criticism of other people. But it was nothing to be thankful for. What I needed to do is get on my knees and repent because I did not carefully obey the teachings of God's Word. Had I carefully obeyed the teachings of God's Word, I wouldn't have been going through that suffering. Testimony in the house? Anybody want to raise a hand and say, I've been there, done that? I've done some things. I've suffered in some situations. And had I carefully obeyed the teachings of God's Word, I would have never suffered through that. Now, I might have suffered in a different area, but I wouldn't have suffered that way. And the suffering I would have gone through had I carefully obeyed the teachings of the Lord would have brought glory to God, not shame on Him. Listen. The Bible is pretty clear about this in Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but I want you to read the last part of that verse with me. But the way of transgressors is hard. One more time, all together. But the way of transgressors is hard. Did you know that when we trans... It's hard. Yeah. You ignore God. You ignore His standards. You ignore His teachings. And the way of the transgressor is hard. I've heard this statement ever since I was a little boy. And I would imagine you've heard it too. Here it is. If you're going to be dumb... Say it. Gotta be tough. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. Do dumb things, say dumb things, behave in a dumb way. And I'm telling you, you will suffer, but it will not bring glory to the living God. It is shameful and it doesn't mean you're doing something right. By the way, somebody wrote a song about that, and I I've never heard the song. I've made a commitment, Lord willing, I'll never hear this song. I don't want to hear this song. I don't want you to ever hear this song. But I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. Now, the only reason I know this song is because uh, Brother Bill gave it to me. And so. Here it is. If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up. I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I know enough to know if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. <laughs> Friends, that's good. I, listen, I, I hate to say it, but that lines up with God's Word. There's right and there's wrong, and when you live and ignore the right, holy, good, pure standards of God's Word, you're going to suffer, and that doesn't bring glory to God. Not at all. Listen to me, child of God. If you are suffering because of sloppy living, shame on you. Shame on me. Shame on us. 
If we are suffering because we are sloppy in our lives, in our Christianity, in our behavior, our deportment, if we are sloppy and we're suffering because of that, shame on us. That is not a sign that you're doing something right. That's a sign you're doing something wrong. And it's a sign you should make your way to an altar somewhere, repent and ask God to forgive you. But, if you are suffering because you're a Christian, if you're suffering because you are standing firm in your faith like this Thessalonian church, and you will not budge, you will not back up, you will not back down, you will not abandon your convictions, you will not compromise and go with the flow just because everybody else is, and you stand firm in your faith, and you suffer for that, oh, child of God, don't you be ashamed of that. Don't you be ashamed of that. That glorifies God. That glorifies God. It brings glory to God when you go through that. Now, I, I talked a moment ago about this. If, you, uh, if you're disrespectful to your boss and you get fired, that's not, that's not something that you should be thankful for. Let's look at that story again. What if you get fired from your job because you're a Christian? What if you get fired from your job because you reverently, not boisterously, but you reverently bow and say a prayer before you eat? Maybe you wear one of those radical river of life crosses around your neck. Maybe you carry your Bible with you in your briefcase. If you get fired because you let everybody on the job know that you love the Lord Jesus Christ and He's your Savior. If you get fired from your job because you will not go to the parties that they throw because it violates your convictions and you will not listen to their dirty jokes and you will not stay in a conversation that blasphemes your God and you will not lie for those who are in authority over you. Friends, if you get fired then, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. I wonder, I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot because I'm here too, because I think there's very, very, very little Christian suffering going on in America right now. I don't think there's much. But wouldn't it be wonderful sometime if we could have a testimonial service here at River of Life, take up the whole hour with people just testifying how they're suffering for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you how I suffered for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you, when a church gets to that point, then we can say that church is strong in faith, genuine in love, and steadfast in the face of suffering. Just stand up for what you believe in. I heard a man tell this story 
years ago. I didn't get it out of a book of illustrations. I didn't listen to it. I mean, I didn't read it in a book or anything. Uh, I heard the man tell the story. He said he, he got a job at a bank, a Christian man. He'd been saved. He made a commitment to live for the Lord, got a job at a bank. And the first day he was at the bank, the bank president was kind of a little branch bank, but the president was there. And the president called him into his office and said, uh, son, I just want to talk to you and let you know how things work around here and welcome you to the bank. And he said, man, I'm glad to be here. I really needed this job. And he said, and then something happened. He said, the phone rang. And the president of the bank jumped up and walked around the desk. And he said, okay, first assignment, son. I want you to answer that phone. And if it's for me, I want you to tell them I'm not here. Because I'm trying to dodge somebody. If somebody's looking for me today. He reaches over and answers the phone, says, my name is. And he said, yes, he's standing right here in front of me. Would you like to speak to him? He hands the phone to him. The president of the bank grabs the phone, has daggers in his eyes. He's, he, he's so mad he could bite nails in two. And he cuts the conversation short. And then he hangs up and he looks at that young man. And he said, why did you do that? Why did you directly disobey me? Why did you do that? And he said, I did that because I'm a Christian and I cannot lie. The Bible tells me not to lie. And he said, I can't do that. And the president of the bank said, well, here's something you can do. You can get your stuff together and get out of this bank because you are fired. He told the story with calmness. And by the way, friends, if we'll make up our minds to live by a holy standard, I believe the Holy Ghost will give us words that we can't even come up with at the moment. He'll give us a witness at that moment. He'll fill our mouths with what needs to be said at the moment. And he said, he said, I looked at him, said it was like the Spirit just dropped it into my mouth. And said, I looked at him and said, okay, I'll walk out that door. But he said, before I do, I just want to say this to you. If I will not lie for you to protect my job, I will not lie to you to protect my job. He said, now would you please tell me, do you want employees that will tell you the truth even if they get fired? Or do you want employees who will lie to you? He said, the president of that bank stood there for a moment and he said, I've changed my mind. You still have your job. <laughs> well, of course. See, see we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be uh, arrogant or, or conceited or mean-spirited or pushy. But I want to tell you, we have to firmly stand our ground. And, 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 and when we suffer for doing that, so be it. If he had lost his job, it would have been fine. Because there's something more important than your job. There's something more important than anything else. You just stand up for the Lord. And no matter what comes down the pike, you serve the Lord. By the way, let me mention a couple of other, other things. Sometimes, I talked about you wouldn't have many friends. Sometimes when you live for Jesus, you can eliminate a lot of friends. Sometimes your friends will walk off and leave you because you're getting too radical. 
because you love Jesus too much. And I got to tell you, that hurts. But it's worth it all. And let me just mention one more. I'm trying to go back and cover some of these I mentioned. There's sometimes you can go through a divorce, not because you did something wrong, but because you did something right. Because you say, no, I cannot do that. No, the standards of this home will be this way. We will not be a part of that. And you know what? The Bible even makes allowances for that. The Bible says if an unbeliever leaves a believer, if somebody wants to live by the holy standards of God and their husband or wife abandon them and leave them, you know what the Bible says? The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. It's 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. You can look it up. I'm, I'm just trying to get across to you that there are times to suffer. And it's not, it, 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 it's not wrong to suffer if you're suffering for the cause of Christ. Here's the question you need to ask yourself when you're suffering. And we all suffer. Am I suffering because I am disobeying the Word of God or am I suffering because I'm obeying the Word of God? You see, one is shameful and one brings glory to the Lord. Now, I'm almost done, but I have some bad news for you. I don't know any other way to spend this. I don't like this and you're not going to like this. We're never going to like this. It's our human nature doesn't like this. But here's the bad news. You're going to suffer. It doesn't matter what decision you make. Make any decision you want to today and you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Suffering's a part of this life. I could give you 15, 20 scriptures right now that tell us we're going to suffer. Jesus said in this life, you shall have tribulation. You're going to suffer. The question is not, are you going to suffer? You're going to suffer. And especially if you're a Christian, you are appointed to this suffering. Let me, let me explain it this way. The moment you gave your heart to Christ, the moment you became a Christian, the moment you became a child of God, you became a citizen of another land, a citizen of another world. And all of a sudden now, you are going against the current of this world. And when you disobey God, you will suffer and when you're faithful to God, you will suffer. I didn't say you'd like it, did I? I said I didn't like it. That's just the way it is. But you know what? You and I should say, oh God. God, thank you for a church like the Thessalonian church that was willing to suffer for the right reasons. And we should say this, Lord, from this day forward, May all my sufferings be because I'm obeying the truth, not disobeying the truth. I'm going to ask you to pray a real simple prayer with me this morning. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.